Are we recording? No, too much, too much, too much, too much. Hey, everybody, welcome to Ducks Watch Together. I'm Josh. Hey, I'm Kylie. Cockney Kylie's back. No, I'm Kylie. I'm regular Kylie. And on this episode, we talk about the top five pre MCU performances. Yeah. Sure. We'll call it that. Pre-MCU performances by people in the MCU. I don't know if I did this right. <laughs> How could you do it wrong? I don't know. I... <laughs> Listeners, I feel like you're joining us midstream on this conversation because we were like, what should we do first? And then we just started talking. I was like, no, this is this is podcast material. You gotta get this on mic. Uh, so how'd you do it wrong, Kylie? <laughs> I don't, I, don't know if, I don't know if these five that I ended up picking are the best of all, but I was like, yeah, let's let's get <laughs> Clark Gregg gets his day today. Oh, okay, here we go. Um, I don't, it, listen, it's subjective. It's your five favorite, or for me, it's like my five that I really like that we're not going to probably maybe sort of kind of talk about or haven't already talked about. Yeah. Because, like, I guess Slight spoilers for my list. Anybody who I had their favorite performance being a Coen Brothers performance or like a Spike Lee performance, I took out of the running for this list. Old Boy can't be your favorite Josh Brolin performance. (laughs) Old Boy, hot take, not my favorite Josh Brolin performance. (laughs) Josh Brolin is not ruled out because of the Spike Lee of that scenario. Is Samuel L. Jackson? Samuel L. Jackson, on the other hand. What's your famous performance from him? I like so many of Samuel L. Jackson's performances. I put I put Pulp Fiction. Yeah. I just went uh-huh. I just went basic. Yeah. Um, with some of these more esta- these actors who were more established before the MCU started. You had more to pick from. I had less to pick from because oh. <laughs> I hadn't seen their filmography. Uh-huh. So like, sure, I had there was more to pick from. That doesn't mean I personally had more to pick from. I mean... And then it was weird with some of these unestablished actors. I was like, oh, okay. All right, Mark Ruffalo, 13 going on 30. I guess it is. There it is. You did oh, it. I could have done The Kids Are All Right! You could have done The Kids Are All Right. <laughs> that's fine. I stand by 13 going on 30. That's good. I mean, that's, that's, that is that's a performance <laughs> that he was in prior to... <laughs> The MCU. And he's charming. Yeah. Uh, Don't you listen. own that film? Yeah, I do. You oh, very you, charming. Okay. Very charming. You sound like you're like, yeah, that's a... No, no. That's a movie. Okay, it's a movie. <laughs> I just wouldn't be like, all right, listen. <laughs> um, it was my favorite. <laughs> this is the best Mark Ruffalo performance, okay? You know, I think I know which one you have as his best. Mark Ruffalo performance pre MCU, yeah, we'll and I that. know you have a you were able to watch that film again, mm-hmm. and I did not, and I don't. I know he's in it, but I don't remember him in it. Fair enough. Does that make sense? Yeah, that does absolutely. All right. Uh, you started this conversation by asking me what is uh, my favorite Samuel Jackson performance. And why it's not there. It's because it's a little film that I've seen once. So I need to rewatch it before I talk about it again. But it's a film called Jungle Fever. And it's a Spike Lee film. And I very much enjoy it. It was close to being Do the Right Thing. But he's not a huge part in Do the Right Thing. So he's a like, radio DJ. Yeah. I was like, he's an important part. And like one of the more memorable parts for me. But not like the be all end all there. Listen, you didn't you know consider Mace Windu. 
Listeners, Kylie is looking at me with a disdain. I have a smile on my face. Reserved for very rare jokes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Mace Windu. All right. Um, um, t- Terrence View, Terrence Lake, Terrence Lake View. Terrence La- Lake View, <laughs> Terrence. <Yeah. laughs> you got there. Yes. You got there. There you go. Um. All right, friends. Well, so today's list is inspired by good old Chadwick Boseman. And Chadwick Boseman is in the film 42, which we just recently talked about on the last episode. And Chadwick Boseman also happens to be King T'Challa himself, Black Panther. And he is in the MCU. And so, hey, we're like, let's talk about films that helped uh, gain notarization for some people, but also pre-MCU performances. Pre-MCU performances. Because... It's March and April, and apparently we can't get enough talking about the MCU. You've oh, it's coming. It's it's soon. Oh my gosh! You're like you're like a month and a half away. When does it come out? It's like the twenty seventh of April. Oh my gosh! Ten days. Ten days after my birthday. Why why can't RDJ just be like Josh? Just for you. Penguins. Oh, never mind. Never mind. I was going to get buried. We don't want to crush those penguins. We're going to crush them. Swap it. N- no, because penguins comes out for Earth? a specific reason. Yeah, Earth Day. Yeah. The only company still celebrating Earth Day is Disney. No, that's not true. Really? Good. I'm glad. There's a lot of things. There's a lot of companies doing that. I feel like Earth Day was a bigger deal when I was a kid. Sure. And maybe it was just because I was in elementary school and they're like, yeah, let's talk about Earth Day. No, there's still companies that'll be like, if you come in, we'll plant a tree. There you go. Yeah, so. Okay, fair enough. Can't can't just be like, oh, Disney's doing it. must be the only. No, I'm not. I just feel like... In my per- like view of things, the only one that's like outwardly being like Earth Day is Disney, but that's probably not true. There you go, Kylie. Are you ready for the inquiry of the half squared Fortnite? Uh, I guess. Now, Kylie, this question is going to pain you, and I'm sorry. I don't, I don't mean it to be, and I know... Just what, ask your stupid question. I know what your answer is going to be. Okay. Your answer is going to be none, we don't need it. <laughs> so, Great! <laughs> so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to push past that one and see what else we get, okay? Kylie, as this episode is in theme on actors' performances before the MCU... My question for you is, what actor not in the MCU should be in the MCU? Yep, there it is. What actor not in the MCU should be in the MCU? Uh, And if you get bold enough, what part? So, my cruel side. Uh Uh-huh. My cruel side just jumps to Ethan Hawke because he'd hate it. (laughs) You just want the Ethan Hawke, Walking Phoenix MCU movie? Ooh, Walking Phoenix is a good, uh, good pull. Let me, let me, give me a minute to think about this. Okay, so, got it. I'm trying to think of her name. Felicia Day, is that a person? Yes. Mm -hmm. She's that person who's... Uh, redhead. Yeah, she was in Doctor Horrible's Sing Along Blog. She's in Buffy. Mm, briefly, yes. Yes. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm yeah. glad yes. I got there. Yes. So, Squirrel Girl. Squirrel. Ooh, Felicia Day is Squirrel Girl. Squirrel okay. Girl. It's called. It's, it's done. 
We after we get I know that they're like Captain Marvel's the most powerful person in the MCU, right? Uh-huh. Who's never been defeated? Squirrel Girl. Oh. <laughs> there you go. She's the unbeatable Squirrel Girl, as it were. Nice. I like it. <laughs> so. Good call. Yeah. She's defeated Thanos and Galactus. Oh, here's why we do it. Do you think she just comes in out of nowhere? And like in the end game, she's like, Woo-ha! And I was like, who's that? <laughs> no, she uses her words sometimes. Oh, okay. Okay, so here's what's how here's how we do it. Here's okay. how we do it. Okay. All right, pitch it. We do a Fantastic Four movie. Okay. Disney's gonna run it. Yeah. Okay, we're wiping the slate clean. We're starting over. We get four fresh young faces. Maybe one of them is like a well-established. Maybe Captain Mr. Fantastic. Maybe he's a more established actor. But we get three other fresh faces. One, because you need a fresh face willing to do the thing. Uh-huh. One who's got to work for it. You yeah. can't have someone who's already established because they're going to be like, ugh, I have to put on this makeup. It's the Jennifer Lawrence syndrome. Oh. As it she were. was, She was excited at first, and now she's like, oh, i got to put on this makeup. Yeah. Although, as I those, have an Oscar. As those movies go on, there's less and less blue mystique. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because she doesn't want to put it on anymore. <laughs> okay, so... So that's my first that's my first call. Uh-huh. So they're fighting Galactus, right? Uh-huh. And they don't know how they're going to do it. But then who comes in at the last moment? <laughs> Not established at all. Okay. All you see is a squirrel. Or they're on their way to fight Galactus. They're not quite there to fight Galactus, but we, like, know the threat's coming. End credit scene. Do you mean Thanos? No, Galactus. Okay. The planet eater. Okay, sorry. No, this is is different. No, I know. I just thought you were pitching for, like, the end of Endgame. No. Sorry, okay. I can't fix that. It comes out in, like, three weeks, Josh. Well, you you could. You could try. Wow, they really aren't hyping me up for it yet. They don't. I mean, it's also March 3rd. They so. don't need to. They just need to be like, April 27th, go. But then, like, when Infinity Wars came out, they was like, it's been 19 years. 19, or whatever, however they did it. <laughs> 19 movies, whatever they did. 10 years. Yeah, yeah. they were like, oh, yeah, it was so important. <laughs> I just haven't seen that yet. Okay. Well, maybe they're like, yeah, it's just this one. Yeah. You know, yeah, it's fine. It's just... It's just the end game. It's not the real end game. Yeah, the things that I've been seeing are like, after end game, MCU's done with MCU movies for a while. I, <laughs> I don't think that's true at all. And I was like, okay, <laughs> you sound like you're tired of this. <laughs> you sound like you've already given up. Well, I think they've talked a little bit about trying to be more standalone in terms of what they're doing. Um because I think what they realize, which I hope this is true and it's a good realization, is that they need to reset a little bit. They can't get bigger than Endgame. I just, they're not gonna do it. So what they need to do is go back to the basics in that way they did with Iron Man, Thor, Captain America, and Edward Norton's Hulk, which they ended up recasting, but like, those four were just an attempt to dive deep into some core characters. And I think you've done that a little bit with your Doctor Stranges and your Black Panthers and like those kind of movies there. But I think hitting a soft reset, not in terms of continuity, but in terms of scale and go back to that small scale again. Because the universe is help. the universe is already established. Yes. So like you don't need to like build it any further. So just play in the universe that you already had. Anyway, so it's Fantastic Four. Mm-hmm. We're on our way to fight Galactus. Fade to black. What is 
What's the what's the post credits green or what post credit scene, Josh? Oh, I'm pitching the post credit scene. On I yours? just want you to guess what it is. Oh, well, it's, it's a squirrel. It's a squirrel. It's a squirrel. Is it just an actual squirrel? Yeah. Okay. And then it looks up and there's a shadow, but uh-huh. yeah, of Felicia's hay, but we don't see her yet. Oh, okay. And then in the second one, is it maybe just like? So maybe just like could there be like some hair, like some red hair blowing in the breeze to like give us a. She's gotta cut her hair short. Oh, okay, never mind. She's okay. gotta go. She's so gotta go sorry. in or out. In or out? What? She's all in or she's out. Oh, I understand. Okay, no wigs. No, Josh. Yeah, Josh. Mm-hmm. Who are you putting in the MCU? Okay, so I know the character that I want. Okay. I'm just trying to... Who's the character? The character that I want is... um, Oh, man. Hang on. Brain died. Um, Is Kamala Khan. I want Ms. Marvel. The current Ms. Marvel uh, in... I want to get this represented on screen as well. I think in current day and time, it would be really wonderful to have a very positive uh, Muslim character on screens. I think that would be a wonderful thing. Also, nice female superhero lead as well. Trying to figure out the actor though to do it, and my my best guess right now, um, I need to find her name real fast, um, and I I will totally say I haven't seen this movie yet, and it might not work out. I'm gonna go with uh, I'm gonna go with a, a risky choice here. Her name is Naomi Scott, and if you don't know who Naomi Scott is, that's totally fine. You may have seen her in the Power Rangers movie as Kimberly. She's pretty okay. She's pretty okay. She's also going to be Jasmine in the upcoming Aladdin uh, live-action remake. And for lack of a better option, at least from Meyer, I'm going to go with Naomi Scott in there as well. And I think like, that it would be a good time. She can. I like this idea of just taking it back to a smaller scale and making it more about her personal problems, and I get that this is a little bit like a Spider-Man Homecoming pitch again, because like we kind of have that teen comedy already in there, but to do it from a very a very non-white male perspective, I think would be good and wonderful, and I think would add a lot to what the MCU is doing. And what I hope for the MCU in the future is, is they actually start doing those things where they take a chance on a genre or a style within their superhero franchise. Because I appreciate those more now than just the straight up, let's do a superhero movie. If this had been made 10 years ago. Okay. Sophia Botella. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But she's, she's a little, she can't, yeah. I don't think she can do the, the teenager yes, anymore. I, I don't think so either. Um, oh, man. She's my favorite actress of all time. What is her other name? Uh, not her other name. What is... Pr- there is... All, also, if it was made, like, a while ago, you could maybe consider a Priyanka Chopra. Mm-hmm. But, again, too old for the part. So maybe we're going to have to discover a person. <laughs> not, you know, keep trying to throw someone out. But that's that's my pitch. That's my pitch. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring Miss Marvel into the universe. All right, Josh. 
Oh yeah, friends, if you want to join this conversation and tell us what actor should join the MCU who's not in the MCU, you can do so at Friend of a Friend Podcast. That's squarespace.com. You can also find us on Apple Podcasts and iTunes. Leave us a five-star review or any star review, as well as find us on Facebook at Friend of a Friend Podcast. You can also hit that subscribe button while you're on Apple Podcasts and iTunes. Yeah. And that helps us get more listeners. And now, on with the show. Merlin. No. No, that like <laughs> three months ago. Listen. No. He lives in my heart. Get away from me. He lives in my heart. Just no one remembers that film. Sometimes. It made like $2. Sometimes when my students are bothering me, I'll just start doing this at them. And they're like, what are you doing? And I'm like, go watch the kid who would be king. You're casting a spell on them. <laughs> yes. It's probably not a good idea. Well, listen. Wow, Sylvana liked my two and a half star review of How to Train Your Dragon 2. You only gave it two and a half stars? Yeah, it wasn't very good. Oh, Kylie, Viking Funeral. Yeah, great. I didn't care. (laughs) (laughs) Uh Uh-oh, I'm... I'm worried now. What? Well, the I saw the third one. You did? Yeah, I liked it. Oh, okay. I didn't like it the second one. I like the third one. You like the third one better than the second one? Yeah. Oh, interesting. Okay. I mean, like, I get, I know that it's just an episode of Pokemon. (laughs) I mean, I don't have any reference to that, Uh, so. I mean, it's, it's like, goodbye Butterfree. I mean, everyone remembers that seminal (laughs) moment of their childhood. Okay, I know you're mocking, but. (laughs) No, I'm not. Okay, No, I'm not. (laughs) Sorry, your tone was like, everyone remembers that. I was like, no, probably lots of people do. No, it's a seminal moment in all of our childhoods. I (laughs) <laughs> All is a strong word. Um, we also like were really struggling to figure out who the voice of the uh, bad guy was in the second one, and I said I think it's Javier Bardem. And she's I don't think she gave anyone. She's like that might be true. And then we looked it up, and I was like Jaimon Hunsu. What? No! And then like we were watching the Sh- Shazam trailer. <laughs> And she was like, who's this guy's voice? And I was like, it's Shaiman Hunsu. He's, he's a chameleon. His voice is chameleonic. It's, no, it's the same. No, it's so different. When he showed up at Aquaman, I was like, that's him? He, he completely transformed for that character. Like he Ryan did. Reynolds in Detective Pikachu. I want to let you know in that trailer. In the Ryan that's Reynolds, not a trailer. In the Ryan Reynolds chatty trailer. <laughs> I am Blake Lively, a hundred percent. I'm like, take your kids to school, Ryan. Do it. No, pick him up. No. Either way. Oh, someone else liked my review. Oh, it was Josh. Did yeah. you read it? Yeah. It's just a paragraph. Yeah. It's good times. So you would rank them one, three, two? Yeah. Okay. I go one, two, three. Yeah. I just get worse as they go. <laughs> but nothing's bad. No. Three's just bland. This has been our segment on How to Train Your Dragon 3, a movie that's coming to DVD soon, I guess, because it's probably not in theaters when you're hearing this, everybody. It'll never come out. A new person followed me 12 hours ago. it did just win the box office for the second week in a row. Wow. Yeah, so they might try to unend that franchise. They could. There's so many openings. Do you got any uh, any, uh, rules, any provisos, any uh, quid pro quos over there? Nope. Nope. <laughs> I considered all performances of everyone ever. The list is very clear. <laughs> performances by actors in MCU movies before they were in an MCU movie. Great. 
So that means... Before they were in the MCU yeah, movie? Yeah, not Great. before the MCU began. Yeah, so it doesn't have to be pre-2008. No. Just before their first performance. Yeah, and it came really close in that 2011-2012 era. Yeah? A lot of people had to get cut. <laughs> Alright, uh, I will say that my only thing, like we talked about earlier, is if there's somebody who I think we're going to talk about later, I kind of left them off to the side. And I also, mine is a memorial list. And it, ha- it doesn't have to be a memorialist for Kylie, but it does have to be a memorialist for Josh. All right, this is a memorialist for Vin Diesel in Saving Private Ryan. <laughs> a memorialist for Jaimon Hunsu in Amistad. No. A memorialist what are you doing? for Mads Mikkelsen in The Hunt. Oh, what else <laughs> had Mads Mikkelsen in The Hunt? Great. A memorialist for Michael Stuhlberg in A Serious Man. Wait, a memorialist wait, for wait. Tony Revioli for what? The Grand Budapest Hotel. What? We had did an episode on a serious man, Josh. No, I know that. What MCU movie is Stuhlbarg in? He's in Doctor Strange. Oh, he is. Okay. Sorry. Uh, Stuhlbarg. Gotta get... Yeah, but is it a serious man or is it Call Me By Your Name? Because they're both... You can't, you can't, you can't, you can't. Because Call Me By Your Name is after. Oh, it is? Yeah. Man, you're good. So it's a serious man. You're solid at this You're not following the name of the list. (laughs) Okay, my... Just follow it to the letter. some of those were on my my things here. It's a memorial list of Michael B. Jordan and Creed. That's not mine. It's not mine for MBJ. It's a memorialist for Daniel Kaluuya in Get Out. It's a memorialist. Oh, there's so many that I missed. Okay. <laughs> anyway, um, mine is a memorialist because uh, there's a certain set of films that happen to be in our penalty box. We haven't brought up our penalty box in a while, which means we've been doing really good about it's not... It's a memorialist to Andy Serkis <laughs> from Rise of the Planet of the Apes. There it is. I couldn't put Caesar in here, though I really wanted to. I have... he. I gave him Lord of the Rings. Oh, okay. There you go. Perfect. It's a the... memorialist to Sylvester Stallone for Rocky. Are we just going to do our honorable mentions now? <laughs> no, I'm only doing my memorial list. <laughs> it's a memorialist to Ben Kingsley for Schindler's List. It's a memorial. Wait, 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 wait. Time out. Time out. Yeah. Time out. Do, do I have to... Do I have to... Do, 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 <laughs> hang on. I, I might have to... We've talked about Schindler's List it's, at nauseum. It's fine. Okay, I'll update my list. <laughs> I'm sorry, did I? It's fine. I'll update my list. I'll try to figure out what I was going to talk about next. <laughs> and it's a memorialist to Jeff Goldblum for Jurassic Park. And it's a memorialist for Anthony Hopkins. I miss so many people in the MCU. Lambs. Okay. I'm, uh, anyway, we'll get to mine in a little bit. It's fine. I You're guess. like, I have this never-ending list. I miss so many people. Okay, well, you have to go first because I have to figure out a new number five. I'm sorry. Kingsley wasn't five. It's just the next person is going to be five. You can talk about Ben Kingsley No, it's good. That? It's good. Oh, it's also Bozeman is not on my list, but he would have been had for we not. For the get up. Yeah, for the get up. Get up on. Get up. Get up on. Get on up. Get up. <laughs> we got there. We got there. <laughs> is it also a memorialist for Gwyneth Paltrow for the World Tenenbaums? Oh, no, she didn't make my list for anything. Okay, great. <gasps> I'm so sorry. Is it also a memorialist for Chris Hemsworth for Cabin in the Woods? That, I did some research, comes out the same year as Thor. Thor comes out in May, that comes out in April. By the skin of its teeth, Did I look like I was about to argue? No, but I needed to say it out loud to everybody. That was also made like six years before (laughs) Thor came out. 
fair. Okay, I have a controversial topic. Okay. We're about to talk about. Great. And it's under the name of Zoe Saldana. Okay. Okay. Zoe Saldana, my favorite performance of hers. Is this your five? This is my five. Okay, great. That is not in the MCU. Is in Avatar. The last Airbender? Nope, Avatar. Oh, okay. (laughs) She plays a blue creature. Yep. Mm-hmm. She's the only compelling part of that movie. Agreed. You have the most sympathy for her. I think she does really well even though she's doing the mocap and mocap is still kind of in redevelopment. I know that Andy Serkis is the had done it already, but I think that uh, for a lot of actors it could be very easy to struggle with and to lose, such in the case of Sam Worthington and even the moments where like Sigourney Weaver is doing some of her mocap stuff. Zoe Saldana gives the most authentic performance in that entire film, and the only thing about that film that I truly enjoy. I know everyone's like, the visuals! And I'm like, Zoe Saldana. Yeah, that's. I agree with you in that in so many ways, because what is true about that film is like the visuals are fun, but you can only look at it for so long before you're like, where's the substance? And then you start looking around at all these other characters, <laughs> and you're like, where's the <laughs> substance? And then you look over at Sam Worthington, and you're like, are you a robot? Do you know? His spice, if he was a spice, he'd be flower. Has the, has the light left your eyes? I'm... And then you find Zoe Saldana, and somehow, someway, through all of the blue... All the dots on her face. She's managing to create an actual, engaging, wonderful character. This has been my thing with Zoe Saldana, which I'm really glad that she got Gamora, because I finally feel like... And I get that in Avatar, she's probably the second lead of the film. But, like... In a lot of her roles, I feel like she's sidelined or she's othered in a lot of ways and not made to be a part of the story or as much part of an active story as she has been given with Gamora and stuff like that. So even on something like Avatar, I'm like, well, I don't want to talk about Zoe Saldana a whole bunch. But if you look at stuff even like, of which my role for her is like, I love her as a Hura in Star Trek. I think she's really great and wonderful. Um, but still, she plays second fiddle to the Spock-Kirk relationship through that whole thing. She plays like... They like they try to update her character by making yeah. that relationship between her and Spock. Yes, and then like, which like she has the most to do in the first one because she's like, I don't like you, Captain Kirk, and we're like, yeah, forget you, Captain Kirk, perfect human, Chris Pine, um, <laughs> best Spider-Man, Chris Pine, <laughs> the Spider-Man we need, but not the one we deserve, yes. Chris Pine. <laughs> And then in the second one, she has one moment of, like, action-y stuff, and then she kind of falls by the wayside. And in the third one, she's paired up with, I think, Sulu, and, like, they yeah. kind of have some nice, like, relationship. The third one's a little bit weird of a Star Trek film. Yes. I think, actually, everyone probably gets almost equally... Yeah, Other than Kirk. it's more of an... Uh, the third one, Star Trek Beyond, just to be specific, is more of an ensemble film. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And... But yeah, so I agree with you. I think uh, Zoe Saldana in Avatar is probably the one saving grace. Is Saldana coming back for 2, 3, and 4 that well, we are aware of? I, if she's not, what's the point? Uh, blue people? <laughs> blue people. 
Um, I will say yes, but that's only because I haven't heard anything say Great. no. Perfect. Because I feel, I feel like we would have heard about that, right? Yeah. David would have told us. He would have. <laughs> he would have been all on board. All right. Um, this is my makeshift number five. <laughs> um, it's fine. It's whatever. It's not Ben Kingsley in Chandler's List. It's fine. Ben Kingsley's great in Chandler's List, but Kylie's right. We've talked about Chandler's List. When did we talk about Shadow's List? When we did Spielberg. Oh, yeah, we talked about a little When bit. we did Saving Brian Ryan and Amistad. <laughs> did I do a 45-minute rant on Jurassic Park? Yeah, that? it was oh, okay. like, like that episode should have just been called Jurassic Park and some <laughs> other Spielberg films. I mean, why not? Yeah, <laughs> let's do it. All right, um, here it is. I don't. It, this, I just put, went to a person on the list... Who wasn't in something that we're going to talk about soonish that was probably high up? Um, we're gonna go with we're gonna go with my friend Michael, my friend Michael Keaton, oh! who, who is in the MCU. He is, and I think he's coming back sometime. Is he? Is he? Who knows? Oh, we're gonna exciting. find out. We he's didn't kill him. Not dead. Yeah. Yeah. They stopped doing the thing where they were like, "Let's kill the villains." <laughs> and I was like, "No, like that's that's not what we come here for." By the way. I mean... I come for the villains. Except for... No, sorry, we come for the villains. We don't come for their death. Oh, yeah. Like, we want, no, we want you to come back. Yeah. Except for Thanos. Like, we could off Thanos. I'd be okay Let's with do this. it. Only because... Let's make him a baby. And then we'll oh. raise him right this time. Can we call him Banner? Oh, we lost the time stone! We can't make him a baby! What do you mean we lost the time stone? It's in the glove. Yeah, he has it. Yeah, well, yeah we, we the Avengers. Okay, here's what we do. We just, we like, get someone to like... <sighs> make, a, make a portal. No, befriend And chop him. out the guy's like, hand. Send the child to befriend Thanos. Okay, here we go. Okay. And then like, one time we're like... Spider-Man tried! <laughs> one time while, Spider- while uh, Thanos is sleeping, he's got his glove on. Just like, slowly take it off. And then he's defeated. Oh my gosh, this sounds like a plot point from Toy Story 2. Ah, oh, there we go. When Woody's got to pull the thing from the guy's yeah, shirt. Yeah, Wayne Knight. Wayne Knight. As new Thanos. <laughs> anyway, I want Thanos to die because I don't want any more Thanos storylines. Like, I, I'm good. Like, I had my Thanos. All right. Um, Michael Keaton. And, of course, if we're going to talk about Michael Keaton, we can't go a whole episode of Marvel without talking about DC, of course. Beetlejuice. <laughs> no, we're going to talk about Batman, everybody, okay? Because this is what we're doing. Because it was my Michael Keaton performance, and when else are we going to talk about 1989's Batman? We've talked about it already. Have we? Yeah, we ranked the Batmans. Well, we're going to talk about it again, because that episode was a long time ago, Kylie. <laughs> Okay, fine. No, I'm gonna do somebody else. Whatever. Nope, fine. Not talking about Keaton's Batman. My number five is... Nope, here it is. I don't even care. My number five is Paul Bettany in Wimbledon. (laughs) We're doing it. So, (laughs) Wimbledon is is a rom-com about tennis. And it stars um, Kirsten Dunst and Paul Bettany. And they're falling in love. And Paul Bettany is like... Kinda almost like retired tennis player, and like Kirsten Dunst is like new hip young like tennis player. She's kind of like John McEnroe in the sense of like she's aggressive and angry and like throws a racket and like the British people are all like, mm, she's too American to win Wimbledon. But good old British champion Paul Bettany, who's been down on his luck. Paul Bettany's been down on his luck. He used to be great. Now he teaches at a country club, but he's still ranked. 
He's still like the 91st ranked professional in the world. So you know what? He can enter Wimbledon. And he goes on a historic run to win Wimbledon in the heart of Kristen Dunst. And John Favreau's there for some reason. I think he might be a, the, an agent of some kind. And, uh, so, so and this Sam one... Neill is here as okay, the father. Okay, wait. Yes, wait, I gotta, okay. I gotta pause you for a second. Yeah, what's up? So it, it, you started with, like, this is about Kristen Dunst. And then it turns out, no, it's nope, not. No, it's about Paul Bettany. It's always been about Paul Bettany. <laughs> Oh, it's like a star is born. <laughs> yeah, Paul Bettany, the star. Um, and it's just a charming movie about Paul Bettany and Kirsten Dutt's falling in love and Sam Neill being like, focus on your career. And she's like, no, I'm in love now. And then she, he wins Wimbledon. And then, no worries, in the, in, the end, in the end sequence where the title card comes up, we find out she also does good too. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Is this based on a real story? No. Absolutely not. <laughs> the title cards end with real stories. The last, the last um, shot of the movie is them on, like, the U.S. Open court. So, like, they've done Wimbledon. Now they're on U.S. Open. But they're playing with, like, their kids because it's, like, years down the line. And, like, Paul Bettany is, like, got hit in the face with a tennis ball by a child. It's pretty funny. Paul Bettany didn't make my honorable mentions because... I've seen him in two films before the MCU. Okay. Wimbledon. Uh, no. Everybody's seen Wimbledon. I literally have not. <laughs> what? I mean... Goodbye, Butterfree! <laughs> <laughs> um, it was A Beautiful Mind. Uh-huh. Which I think... Is he a figment of someone's imagination? Yeah, Darn. totally. Yep. <laughs> That's how that is. Yep. Mm-hmm. And um, the Da Vinci Code. Oh, who? Oh, okay. Is he like a side villain? <laughs> like, he's not... Isn't he like... So, He's an albino in that movie, right? Uh-huh. Huh. Things we did in the early 2000s. Yeah, so, um... So, yeah, Paul Bettany yeah, didn't Paul make Bettany. my list. What? No. <laughs> if, it was, if it was now, he would have made it for um, being the cool villain in uh, Solo, a Star Wars film. Oh, he's good in that. <laughs> Not for Priest? Not for Priest. <laughs> Did I stutter when I said Solo, a Star Wars film? Sorry, I, I thought, a Star Wars film? <laughs> a Star Wars story? You're up in it. You're like, not a story, a film. He, he brought it up from yeah. a story to a film. Hey, Ron, he, could I be in your Star Wars he movie? He didn't do it by himself, okay? Donald Glover's doing work in that movie. Oh, you're right. It's, okay, that movie's problem is script. It's not casting. It's not visuals. It's script. Academy Award nominated... Solo Star Wars film. Yep. Star Wars story. I did it wrong again. Oh no, I thought you did it on purpose. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, it was so good. No, I'm I'm trying so hard. That's the official name now. Okay. Full titles. (laughs) A Star Wars film. All right, Josh. Yeah. Number five. All right. my Number four. My number four is Clark Gregg and the Adventures of Sebastian Cole. Okay. Okay. I felt like there was more to that title. Like, you kind of, like, put a comma there, and I was like, oh, what's the last part of this title? <laughs> no. No one's seen this film. <laughs> Has anybody seen Wimbledon? <laughs> Listen, we went from Schindler's List to Batman to Wimbledon, okay? I am sorry, Josh. I I set the rules for myself, not for you. It's fine. It's all good. Let's find out. We're, we're going to go according to Letterbox. Okay. Wimbledon. Oh, it's got like a 30? No, I, what? 
Oh. I want to see how many people have seen it. <laughs> okay. Letterbox. I thought you were going to Rotten Tomatoes for some reason. Sorry. All right, Josh. 13K have seen this film. That's, that's not bad. 270 people have seen The Adventures <laughs> of Sebastian Cole. 270. Just 270. Oh, okay. It's okay. There's a review where you're one of three. You're the only <laughs> review on Letterboxd on a film. I don't even remember what it could be. <laughs> All right. No one's seen this film. It's a film from uh, 1998. Okay. Okay. Uh, we got Adrian Grenier. 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 Uh, he's in it. He's uh, kind of a jerk. But anyways, Clark Gregg. So Clark Gregg, <clears throat> so I, this is in the 90s, and I'm glad now that when we see films like this, we are kind of transitioning into uh, casting people more fit for these roles. But Clark Gregg um, plays uh, Adrian's stepfather, who comes out to his family, that um, Hank wants to now... Uh, is identifying as a woman. And so it essentially tears apart Sebastian Cole's family. Oh, it's real sad, but Sebastian Cole goes to live with uh, Henrietta now. And just Clark Gregg is very sincere in this role and gives a lot of re reverence to it and doesn't make it seem like a joke and shows heart and creates a full person. And it's not just something for us to laugh at and be like, oh, papa. It's very genuine and it's very interesting to see that this, and I, to see this in the 90s and I know that this is an indie film and indie mm -hmm. films were a little bit more like look look at what we're doing we're pushing the boundaries mm -hmm. but I think that what um Clark Gregg does is that he is at least open trying to open a door and say mm -hmm. like we need more characters into this and I think that his performance of Henrietta is very very sincere and nice. good. And I think that it's an, an important step. I'm not saying it's probably like the... I, I've not seen the film, so whatever You're not cultural, one of 270? Yeah, no, sorry. You're not... Like, those cultural elements that may or may not be problematic in 2019, I think that we talk a lot about the 90s being an era that, like, they were trying. Like, we didn't know all the things that we didn't know, but we really wanted to, as a society, start becoming more progressive about issues that had lived in the subculture for a long time. And so I think this just sounds like one of those films that is trying to take that nice step forward. And while it might not be something that is remembered or maybe even looked back upon fondly by many, many people, it sounds like it is a nice stepping stone to some other stuff that comes out into the culture. Yeah, so, nice. Greg, Greg, click. Greg Clark got a Clark, Clark Greg. Greg. Uh, you can't, you're not allowed to have two first, two first names. names. Always a crowd pleaser. <laughs> Always oh, a crowd pleaser. Two last names, however, ooh, not bad. <laughs> no. no Darby Gallisher. Nope, no, no, no. That's a weird name. Yeah. Um, he got a paycheck. He got a paycheck, Good. and then he probably soon after was on the old adventures. The of new, new adventures of old yeah, Christine. Shoot, <laughs> not the old adventures of, of new Christine. Christine. <laughs> I watched a, a lot of that show. So much of it, like probably think, the whole series. Do you think if they brought that show back, if like after Veep's done and after Agents of Shield is done, the they're new like, Adventures of Older Christine? No, that it would be called the Old Adventures of New, new Christine, Christine because it's a new Christine, but she's older than what she was. Oh no, I don't think it's gonna I'm come gonna back. I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna do it. It's gonna be there. All right, Great. Clark Gregg, Julie Louise Dreyfus. 
when you two, you two very successful, very rich people, when you want some work, you come to me. <laughs> yeah, and Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And Veep. And Veep. Yeah. Is Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. still happening? Yeah, somehow. Apparently the Nerds! <laughs> like, I can't even follow that show. Like, if Agent Carter was still on, I'd still watch Agent Carter. How about can it? I, can I, mean, I... Okay, yeah. Can I make a plea? Can, can I take a moment to, like, make a plea to my friends over at ABC and Disney? Please. Please release Agent Carter on <laughs> DVD or Blu-ray. I don't even care if it's 4K Ultra. <laughs> like, just... Please? I really want this. I need this in my collection. Or let it stream somewhere. Like, I just want to watch this show again and not have to buy a region-free Blu-ray player and buy the Canada and Australia releases to be able to do it. I have a question. Yeah. Other, I know your PlayStation can play Blu-ray player, Blu-rays, uh-huh. okay? But do you own a Blu-ray player? Yes. Okay. Yeah, it's kind of broken, but I... it works. <laughs> Like the, the I own I know like no one who owns a Blu-ray player, but they have something that will play Blu-rays yeah. for them. Yeah, yeah. Well, and we are I think soon enough upgrading to a four. Ooh. So. And then you can get the four K plus. No, it's not a four pro. It's just a four. All right, Josh. What's your number four? Uh. <laughs> we're upgrading to number four. Now, these are the people that were on his list the whole time that I did. You could have talked about Beetlejuice. I gave you a Keaton out. You could have. Oh, man. I, you did. There's so many other Keatons. <laughs> Spotlight. No, listen. I was questioned too many times. Too many times. <laughs> Wimbledon. So this was supposed to be my silly answer, but now it's silly answer part two. <laughs> uh, number four. Chris Evans in the perfect score. Really? It's got there so oh, good. Really? No, no, it's not. Oh my not. gosh. No, but I do like Chris Evans in the perfect score. I also like Scarlett Johansson in the perfect score. Captain Black Widow were at there the entire time. Well, I don't need to speak now. You've just done my whole <laughs> argument for me, so there you go. <laughs> um, my number four is, is a Paul Rudd performance. Good old Paul Rudd. Good old Ant-Man himself. And... And again, not a film that's in the penalty box because Clueless is in the penalty box. I can't talk about it anymore. And when did things get out of the penalty box? We'll talk about it. <laughs> we we can we'd have a mini episode in which we discuss whether something's in or out of the penalty box. Ooh, nice. There we go. It'll be an emergency penalty box. Emergency referee meeting. Ooh. <laughs> I think I think we'll need like listener feedback though. <laughs> Maybe we'll just get a panel of listeners. So Sylvana. And, and Jeff and <laughs> maybe Kevin. <laughs> if you're listening, Kevin. <laughs> Give us a, just, just five stars. That's all we need. Just yeah. Anybody. Write a review. Yeah. All right. Uh, it's a Paul Rudd performance. It's a Paul Rudd performance from one of my favorite movies of all time. It's a smaller performance. It's probably the smallest performance on my list. And it is Paul Rudd from Wet Hot American Summer. I love Paul Rudd and Wet Hot American Summer. It is the perfect use of the Paul Rudd persona. Because when you think of Paul Rudd, you think of... Kylie is acting out some of my favorite scenes as Paul Rudd and Wet Hot American Summer. When you think of Paul Rudd, you just kind of like, nice, 
genial, like, hey, he's the nice guy next door who's gonna do all the things, but he's kind of goofy too. Oh, Paul. You like want to give him like a little like noogie on the head and just tell him how much you love Paul Rudd. And in What Hot American Summer, he's the worst. Like, he just takes that persona and flips it and is every single jock, terrible teenager stereotype from every 80s movie you've ever seen. And it is hilarious. Because not only is he all that, like, there's a scene that Kylie was doing with her body hair <laughs> where, like, he is asked to take his tray from the table to the lunch counter to just clean up after himself. And he throws the biggest <laughs> tantrum that there's ever been. And you're like, oh my gosh, I know teenagers that do this. Like, they're like, this is the hardest task in the world for them. He just nails so hardcore what every, like, I'm cool, I'm a cool teenager is, like, really trying for. Paul, uh, Paul uh, Rudd made my list. Paul Rudd made your list? Yeah, but not that Not for this performance? No. Okay. no, I mean, he made my honorable mentions. Okay, good. I feel like... Can I... I might be a little bit wrong here. But I want. we need to think of our, our, our good friend who we've never met, Ben Hosley. Uh-huh. And then this Paul Rudd character. <laughs> they might be... Wow. They, they might be kind of the same. Wow. <laughs> I think I think, uh, I think uh, Paul Re- or uh, not Paul Red. I think Ben's a little more mature now. No, no, no. Like I'm saying, like As teenager, teenager, like teenager Dirt Ben Benny. Hosley, Dirtbike Benny. Yeah, like this is Dirtbike Benny on film. Oh yeah, 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 hundred percent. Yeah. Um, the Paul Red that I have is, of course, is this your number four? No. Oh, okay. Paul, no, his number. Oh, you said mentions. honorable mentions. Yeah, yeah, sorry. Is of course. The perks of being a wallflower. Oh, very nice. See, we both went very on brand. Yeah. yeah. So, um, well, you were talking about how, like, you know, Paul Rudd, his his persona, nice guy, and I was like, his persona to me is impetulant man child. <laughs> yeah. And so then yeah, I was like, yeah. yeah, this one flips it on his head because you know what? He's a responsible adult. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. So that was my take. Yeah. See, look, we just like it when Paul Rudd subverts his Paul Ruddness. Paul Rudd also might be my favorite part of the Wet Hot TV series that was on Netflix for two seasons. He comes in on a motorcycle and then it like just flies into the lake. Yeah. The river. Okay, Josh. Yeah. Wait, what? Not Chris Pine? Perfect human? (laughs) That's awkward. (laughs) Well, Elizabeth Banks needed to fall in love with someone her own age. Yeah. You know, it's fine. It's all good. Yeah, it's very weird that they go back and she's like a full-grown adult. Yeah. Josh. Yeah. My number three. Okay. Is a role. No, really? That. Okay, so in the MCU, it was a role I did not know this actor did. Oh, okay. It was only until... Times later, where either you or Sylvana told me, and it finally stuck in my head. You're like, Jamon Huntsu is the guy <laughs> chasing Chris Pratt in Guardians. Yep, we all knew it. We all figured it out. Yep. 
It was a flip of the script there. And my favorite performance of his is Constantine. <laughs> where he plays Big Daddy. It's not Big Daddy. It's like Big Papa or something. Big Daddy? Is he reviving Adam Sandler's role in Big Daddy? No, he's oh, reviving okay. Nicolas Cage's role in Kick-Ass. Oh, <laughs> nice. Okay. Uh, is, of course... Taika Waititi. Ah, Taika Waititi. <laughs> and the uh, performance of his I will be talking about is him as a posh vampire <laughs> in What We Do in the Shadows. Yes, I love it! Yes. <laughs> I just like that. So What We Do in the Shadows is like parodying all of these different like eras of vampires within media. And what Taika Waititi's is, is he's like the fop interview with a vampire-esque type of like... British vampire that's oh, like... Oh, sorry, not to interrupt your train of thought. You know that bonkers movie Serenity? Yeah. You know what it's directed by? Taika Waititi. Neil Jordan. You know what Neil Jordan did? What we do in the shadows. Interview with a vampire. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, just like... With Taimon Hunsu. With Taimon Hunsu. Go. <laughs> um... So, so he, he's playing this very, like, posh, like kind of like frumpy vampire and he's just he's so fun and genuine and he's like we're cleaning on the ceiling <laughs> you can't see me you can't see me uh, I think the Taika Waititi just comes in he's some great, great fun uh, what we do in the shadows I think is loved by is like has a lot of love by a very small amount of people and more people should know about uh, it agreed you should a hundred million percent Go watch What We Do in the Shadows. If you have Amazon Prime, it is streaming on Amazon Prime. It is wonderful and worthwhile. I caught it much far after um, the kind of craze because it wasn't like, it was one of those small films that just wasn't really available. And so I wasn't able to see it, but then I eventually ended up watching it and it is a good time. Do you have thoughts on the TV series? What? There's going to be a TV series that actually debuts on March 27th. I believe it's on Amazon. I can't judge. I have known nothing about okay. it, so I shouldn't judge it. I, Here's what I will say. Oh. Oh, it's it's on it's on FX, not Amazon. Oh, no, I, I don't trust it no more. Okay, you, what were you going to say? <laughs> I was going to say, like, I'm just going to wait and see what happens. I'm a little worried now. All right. Describe starring Charlie Day. I, we're going to get, we're going to be... Danny DeVito. <laughs> I would be on board. <laughs> yeah, it's always sunny under the shadows. Yeah. yeah of course, yeah. <gasps> it's never sunny in Philadelphia. <laughs> <laughs> crossover! <laughs> Okay, plot summary on IMDb here for it. A look into the daily, or rather nightly, lives of vampires who have lived together for over a hundred years in Staten Island. Wow. They're like, nope, not in New Zealand anymore. America. Wow. Yeah. Wow, we don't need that. All right, Josh. Uh, yeah, all right, okay. Josh, <clears throat> what's your number three? Number Trace. Uh, number three is... Did you see Serenity? No, I didn't get to see Serenity. I'm I am I'm gonna have to wait for DVD. You don't know, like, thing... You don't know what the plot is yet, right? No. Okay, don't... What is the episode that I can't listen to? Uh, what Men Want. Okay. Chucks. <laughs> <laughs> okay. 
Oh, my oh number three. It's, it's coming. My number Justice three is coming. Is for a film that I think we've maybe mentioned once or twice or talked about. Who knows? But I'm going to talk about it again because I think it's an underseen film a lot. And it's from... I'm going to say the person who gives my favorite in MCU performance. Um, and it's by Chris Evans. And it's called Sunshine. Sunshine is a Danny Boyle film. And I've gone down a little bit of a Danny Boyle path. Because last weekend, off mic, Kylie said to me, Danny Boyle's like one of your guys, right? And I was like, what? He's like, he's one of your directors. like, one of your guys. And I was like, is he? I was like, I don't know if he's in my top ten. And so I've gone down this hole of like, now I have to do my top ten directors. It's been a, it's been an ordeal this week. I'm sorry I caused you this no, stress. No, it's good. I'm actually really excited because I'm going to create a really bonkers letterbox list based off my top ten directors. It's fine. I'll get there. It's a project, though. I don't think I can finish the project. Until my top ten favorite films for my top ten favorite directors. Ranked. Yeah, that would be a good one. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Um, and if they don't have 10, then that's, like, fine. I just always yeah. figured that Don- Danny Boyle was somewhere, like, in the... He's at least in the conversation. He is absolutely in the conversation. Um, but uh, anyway, we'll get there, apparently. And then I, yeah. I think I listed off five, maybe four. You did. Pretty on the nail. Yeah, you got you got there really close. <laughs> it was good. Um, I'll, I'll release that. I, I can't do it till I do my update uh, of my 100 in April because I know as I look through my 100 now I'm like oh I rewatched a lot of Pixar and my Pixar is really wrong right now mm. because the, so that needs so there's some updating that needs to happen in my 100 oh, that means I get to update my 100 soon know, as well right? every year for my birthday wow. thing alright anyway Sunshine Sunshine by Chris Evans the performance in Sunshine by Chris Evans in Danny Boyle's film oh, I I don't talk about sci-fi a lot because though it's a genre that like I like the parts and pieces I don't think there's a lot of successful sci-fi and and I think that Sunshine is a very successful sun- uh, it's a very successful sci-fi film I think that what it does is it takes its pieces and parts and wants to analyze and talk about society in a very meaningful way and a lot of people have issues with the film of Sunshine because of its third act. And it kind of uh, seems to go off the rails a little bit. And it brings in some more horror elements. And I'm not going to spoil the end of Sunshine because they don't, I think it's a film that's not that well known or not that seen. But I think, I actually think that the elements in the third act are set up really well. And they come together to make sense of what actually is happening. But to stick a little bit closer to Chris Evans, he's giving a supporting performance in this movie. And the, the, the kind of setup of the film is that there is a group of astronauts and scientists who are in the year 2050-something or other, the far future. Um, they're going to the sun, which is dying, and they're going to try to restart the sun. And so as they get through the, as they go through the course of this event, it's not like anything is surprising that happens in the film in terms of like where the plot goes and its structure. I think how those events go through is really interesting. But I love this ensemble cast as of itself. So not only do you have Chris Evans in a supporting role, you've got Killian Murphy, you've got Michelle Yao, you've Rose got Burn. Rose Byrne. Like it's a really early Rose Byrne Benedict performance. Wong. Benedict Wong is also here. in MCU. Uh, oh, Michelle Yao's also in the MCU. Wow. 
Wow. Where is Michelle Yeoh? Okay, well, she's there for one second, but she's part of Sylvester Stallone's group. Oh. In Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. Don't come at me <laughs> unless you're ready for Listen, some real nerdy stuff. <laughs> I'm excited. I'm excited. But it's got a wonderful cast. And its ensemble is, is so game to just make this movie wonderful. And what I do love about Chris Evans in particular is, again, I think this is a role... You agree with him. <laughs> so much I agree with Chris Evans in this situation. Oh my gosh. Uh, but Chris Evans plays a jerk in a lot of ways it's really interesting that what they do with this role is they kind of put the voice of the voice that has to make the hard choice is this character who is kind of the most grating character he would typically be the one where you're like yeah that guy he's gonna die we don't like him he's against our protagonist yeah but at the end of the day you're kind of like oh no he's actually making really solid points and it's really hard because you want to be on... This is what I love about this film is there's a... You want to be emotionally on someone's side. You don't want to necessarily be logically on his side. Yes. And so it's such a wonderfully layered performance from an actor who at this point in his career is pretty much known for not another teen movie, uh, being a teen star, and Fantastic, Fantastic Four. Four. And none of those, I think to me, Sunshine is the first time where a director looks at Chris Evans and says, this guy's got something. And I don't know, even post his MCU roles, getting Captain America, if there's been a lot of directors who have looked at him in that way and said, he's got something here outside of like a Snowpiercer, you know, or even something like the Iceman was a role in which he was got a little bit more to dig into, but... It's just a real outlier in his career. And so it's always a really fun, engaging role to watch from Chris Evans. And so if you've not seen Sunshine, I definitely recommend Sunshine. It's a great, great movie. Have you talked about Sunshine on the podcast before? No. Okay. I've seen it. Okay. Uh, it's been a while, but I also am in that camp where I was like, what was the third act? Uh, where I was a little bit taken back by it, but... I mean, it's been years. Who it, knows? For me, it's really similar to The Fountain. In the sense of, you're either on board with what this movie's doing, and it makes perfect sense as to why it's there, mm -hmm. or you're not. And it's wonky and weird. And so, I think that's just, that's the type of movie that it is. So, yeah. Alright, uh, my number two. Josh, what's my, like, new favorite hobby to do? Buy pops. <laughs> okay. <laughs> what's my new favorite, what's my thing that I'm trying to do with movies? With foreign language films and their crappy American remakes. Watch both. Watch both. Yes, okay, great, perfect. <laughs> Was I wrong about buying pops? Was I... No. Okay, sorry. <laughs> My next one was cross-stitching. Uh, oh, I guess I that do, one's not a new hobby, though. I do love doing that. Yes. So, um, there's this man <laughs> by the name of Christopher Nolan. He comes around in, I don't know, 2002, and he's like, I'm going to remake a film called Insomnia. Uh. And you know who's in the original? He gets Al Pacino, you know, whatever. Al Pacino goes, hoo -ah, I need to be in this movie. I'm tired. 
<laughs> I was like, hooah, I need to be in this movie. But let's let's rewind. Okay, take so, it back. So, let's go to the moment of Inception some, okay. in his brain. Alright, so Insomnia. Josh, do you know who plays the lead in the original Insomnia? It's not Al Pacino. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna let you know right now. Did not know Insomnia was a remake. Well, Josh, I just told you that it's a foreign language. No, I know, I know. There's only like four international stars. Okay, can you give me a country of origin? Sweden. Stella. <laughs> Stella Skarsgård. <laughs> Kylie's, Kylie's <laughs> new secret bay. <laughs> Stella Skarsgård. I don't know. Like I've seen just so many Stellan Skarsgård movies that I'm at a point where I'm Keanu, like, Nick, Stellan, Mads. <laughs> did did he jump over Mads? We didn't get Arctic. I'm so sad. It's okay. A reviewer that I liked on YouTube said it was pretty great, and then I stopped the review because I didn't want. <laughs> I didn't need more. I'm assuming we'll get it on video at some point. Yeah. So Stellan Skarsgård and Insomnia. Yeah. Okay. So like. It's Stellan. He's great. Awesome at everything he does. But, like, I think that in America, we look at Stellan Skarsgård and we're like, he's the happy fun time guy, right? He's in the Mamma Mia's. He's in the MCU. Like, everyone's just like, ha, ha, ha. Stellan Skarsgård's having a great time. He's in the girl with the dragon tattoo. Oh. oh. See, that's that's oh. one of, that's an oh, exception. Yeah. <laughs> it's like when Robin Williams would play some darker roles oh, in your life. Oh, like Insomnia. Yeah, like an Insomnia. Yeah. <laughs> Inception. <laughs> We're all over the place in this episode. So that, so like in Insomnia, he's pretty terrifying. He's not even the bad guy. He's the detective, but he's like detective bad guy. Detective Pikachu. Um, <laughs> can you believe I was playing? heads up with someone last night and the name Pikachu popped up and I said, he's a detective! <laughs> he's the world's greatest detective! And no, they didn't get it from that yeah. clue alone. Batman? What? <laughs> they said Sherlock Holmes. And I said, oh. no! He's small, he's yellow, he's got red cheeks, he's a mouse. Oh, the great mouse detective. Yes. Yeah. Who's yellow. Yeah. He's blonde. At best. Okay, so, uh, Insomnia Stone Skarsgård. Serious film, serious film. It, you, uh, you know. <laughs> I just think that, like, he has a very dark side to him, especially when he's in his, uh, Dutch, his Swedish roles and, like, Swedish directors who are taking him seriously. And, like, he gives a really, really terrifying performance. And if you don't know the story of Insomnia, you're never really on board with the main detective. And so, like, it's just very... He creates that wall between you and him even better than Al Pacino ever did, because Al Pacino's just tired the whole time. Stellan Scars, I'm so tired. <laughs> Puts up a wall between you, and you're just like, please stop. Please, everyone, just stop doing this. Is is this conceit the same in like, but with the daylight thing? Because the reason Pacino can't sleep is because he's in 24 Hours Lifetime Alaska. Mm-hmm. Is this similar conceit? Yeah, it's kind of similar. Because I'm assuming there's parts of Scandinavia that is Mm -hmm. that similar. Yeah. Uh, That's one of the reasons. But the other reason he can't sleep is guilt. Has Pacino ever felt (laughs) guilt? 
Only when he's Michael Corleone. <laughs> in part three. Yeah. Does Michael not feel it in the first one at all? I don't know, man. His wife dies. I thought for a minute maybe he's like, oh, I feel bad. Diane Keaton dies? That's not his wife. His wife over in Italy. Oh, you said Michael. Michael Corleone, yeah. Huh? Yeah, his wife dies. Okay, fair enough. You're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, yeah. Come back. <laughs> Pop finals. <Wow. laughs> okay, listeners, I want to let you know, every time I say the word pop vinyl, Kylie looks across the room to her two newest pop vinyls, like, to double check, like, oh, you're still there, friends. Hi. Hi. Like, They're good friends. They are good friends. Look how good they are. Yeah. One of them costs a lot of money on the internet, and one of them doesn't. Uh, good job, Adventures Underground? Nope. Good job, Barnes & Noble. GameStop. Oh. Which GameStop? Mall. Mall. Nice. Oh, I guess there are others. Queensgate. What if I... Columbia Center Boulevard? Oh, door. Uh, uh... Talk about insomnia! Talk about insomnia! I don't know, done. Stone Scars Guard's great. No one ever, like... Americans usually don't go see his films like that aren't American. He's like blah blah blah. He's he not was running in... around with pants on. Yeah, he was in the Thor: The Dark World. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> he was in. He was in Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, and he plays the villain. But like, no one liked that film. Some people liked that film, but most people didn't like that film. It's fine. It's a Fincher. Yeah. It's not a Fincher feast. It's a Fincher snack. It's a feist. What? Feist, the artist? Yeah, like, it's, it's a Feist film. Like, so it's, like, not a feast, it's a Feist. It's like, oh, it's kind of like one hit. Like, you're good one time, and then you're done. <sighs> feast or Feist? <laughs> Is that a new segment for us? Feast or Feist? Get away from me. <laughs> Kylie. Yeah. It's I'm time. surprised that your Chris Evans wasn't Push. I love Push. <laughs> Push is great, but I'm not sure if, like, <laughs> that's the Chris Evans role I want to champion. I put him for Scott Pilgrim versus the world. That was uh, that was my, like, secondary consideration, um, but it was too small of a role uh, for me to... It lingers in our hearts. It does. It does. He and Anthony Hopkins from Silence of the Lambs, their time on screen must might be similar. Ooh, Judy Dench in Shakespeare in Love is really upset with you right now. <laughs> So, Josh, yeah. who's your number two? Kylie, it's time. To begin, isn't no, it? Kylie. I get a little bit bigger than I we gotta, we gotta take it down. We gotta take it down a little bit. It is time because we, we need to talk about Kevin. Crossover! <laughs> My number two is... What Give Ramsey all the money in the world. Why don't we just? Well, because I don't think she could save that movie either. But let's give her. <laughs> she would have done something far more interesting. Yeah, probably. Um, Tilda Swinton in We Need to Talk About Kevin. Also, John C. Riley in. Also, John C. Riley in We Need to Talk About Kevin. Oh yeah, he is a man. He is so many. Josh, <laughs> did John C. Riley not make your honorable mentions? I put him for Chicago. <laughs> Uh, no, John C. Riley, I forgot he was in the MCU. Like I said, I need to do more due diligence. I've only done half the due diligence. I went through every MCU. Movie. I didn't have time. I was watching things also. All right. Um, Tom Swinton. 
is so wonderful in this movie. It is, uh, this movie is just, uh, it's hard to watch because, and yet it's so engrossing and engaging to watch. It's hard to watch because what is happening is we're dealing with a school we're dealing with school violence and in it's not a school shooting in the traditional way of that you think of that but it is a school shooting um and not only are we dealing with this we're also dealing with what it's we're looking at serial killers or, or serial or sociopathic people in different ways and we're also looking at how they grow up and their relationship to their families and i think that that's a that's a really interesting thing that we don't look at a lot of the times we kind of just want to talk about the person itself and Lynn Ramsey she takes the camera and she looks over here and she says what about Tilda and what about this relationship and what can we say is nature versus nurture and what can we look at in this and so what Tilda does specifically that I love in this performance is this is, I think when you think of Tilda Swinton, you think, great, wonderful, amazing actress. Oh, crazy? <laughs> sure. <laughs> I think you're missing the word crazy. <laughs> but she's usually really big, really, like, she's a chameleon and can do lots of things, but there's always some performance element to it. There's always some bombast, for lack of a better word. Uh, within her performance. And I don't mean that in a bad way. I think she always grounds it in reality and several times over is the only person who could do that role justice. But with We Need to Talk About Kevin, it, the, the thing that struck me about watching her in the role even the first time was she's just an, a mom. And for Tilda Swinton, like that's a really unique and interesting thing to watch her deal and grapple with these really human instincts and really human emotions and really but then she dives so deep and honest into the hurt and pain of this mother that even scenes where she's just cleaning something is just filled with so much immense pain and pathos and, and it's just this beautiful performance yeah she's great 10 out of 10 <laughs> I mean, she's also on your list. Is this your two, one? One. one. All right, there you go, yeah. So I didn't know what else you wanted to add about Tilda here. Um, I just think that, like you were saying, Tilda Swinton's usually this very big, bombastic character. And it's just so... I, I don't... It would be false to say that she doesn't have her big moments in this yeah. film because she does like there are times where she's in the supermarket, mm -hmm. um, and like what's up? I'm peeking around the corner of the of the, <laughs> of the stoop, yeah. <laughs> and she's just like on the verge of like having a nervous breakdown in the middle of mm -hmm. it all because of the way everyone is around her is treating her, and when she's in the middle of the streets and she sees someone who's a survivor of the incident, she's just like nope, 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 can't do. And then, like, just throughout the entire time of watching this child grow up, you see her and you're like, I agree, Tilda Swinton. Yeah. There is, we need to talk about Kevin. You do and, more than talk about John Kevin. John C. Riley's over there like, it's great. Let me give him a, a weapon. That scene where... The hamster? Oh, the hamster. In the Drano? Yeah, the hamster in the Drano. And the, the part of it that always gets me is, like, out the window, is he's just like happily playing tetherball with John C. Riley, 
And then all of a sudden, like, it just pans in when he knows his mom has realized what he's done. And you're like, oh, yikes. <sighs> um, Ezra Miller is great in that movie, too. It's, that's my first exposure to Ezra Miller. And I'm like, can we give Ezra more things to do that are not Credence or Flash? Like we, gave him, we gave him the perks of being a wallflower. Yeah, he's also great in that. Um, at the beginning of his career is a lot more serious like yeah. that because he's got his things like after school. And then after the perks of being a wallflower, they're like, jokes. <laughs> <laughs> These are Hollywood's claws. They're yeah. dug in. Yeah. He's trying to find out. I but... definitely forgot that he's in Fantastic Beasts, although all I did was joke about how he's a cloud in Fantastic Beasts. It's interesting because if you look at the character of Credence, you un- and, and then even compared to Especially Kevin... In the, in the first one, you can see there a translation between them because yeah. like Credence is like a very solemn character who, like, you're like, oh. And I guess with where the Fantastic Beasts sequel goes, it's clear he's going to get more to do. Oh, yeah! Oh, my gosh! I forgot how that ended! I just don't trust that it's going to be more interesting things to do. I think he's going to end up being a pawn in the game of everything. So, but anyway, I, I forgot how much he wasn't in the movie because he's such a big presence as well. Like in my brain, it's Tilda and Ezra and it's like, it's like they're going back and forth. Hannibal Lecter. Hannibal Lecter. What? He's got the same presence. He's uh, not there the whole time. Yeah. yeah there you go. Presence. I thought you were saying like the kid played Hannibal Lecter. I was like, what? No, no that was that, bad. That was a French person. Oh yeah. Great. Perfect. <laughs> uh, yeah. No, anyway, uh, we need to talk about Kevin. It's streaming on Amazon Prime right now. Worth your time to rewatch. Lynn Ramsey. I yeah. feel like when Ramsey is just that director that, like, people are like, ah, she's good. She's like a lady. I think, and I haven't seen too much of her early career, so I'm just going off of what I've heard and, and stuff like that and read in reviews. I think she was a lot more art house experimental in her early career, and that's kind of pigeonholed her a little bit to a smaller section of people and things. And so while I don't, I think that Kevin... And uh, You Were Never Really Here are both very good films and very art house films. They also have commercial draw to them. And so it'd be interesting to see if she gets a bigger platform at any point. You know, I think what she does is really beautiful. It's, it's, it, she works so touchingly and well in violence. And it's, I don't usually love violent films, but I think that with both of these films, what she does is... She doesn't she, glorify it. She doesn't glorify it. She wants to explore, in some ways, she wants to explore our fascination with violence as a culture. And I think that's, that's, that's genius. She's Scottish. Yeah. Wow. But she understands the American culture so well. Well, I wonder if that's because, like, some of the themes that she's playing in are prevalent in both. Oh, American also in Scotland. And Scottish. Culture. Oh yeah, we're out there on the Highlands and we're throwing rocks at each other. There can only be one. Highlander. Highlander. Yeah. We got there. We got around to it. No one. No one's arguing. So, oh yeah. So, I'm excited to talk about. Uh, Highlander Endgame in a few weeks. Yep, there you go. Kelly, what's your number two? I've already gone, Josh. 
I'm done. My list is over. Wait, what? How? Stellan Skarsgård. Insomnia. Oh, and that was your I went first. Oh, I'm so sorry. Um, hey, let's do some honorable mentions. Oh, okay. <laughs> Robert Downey Jr., Zodiac, Mark Ruffalo, 13 Going on 30, Josh Brolin, No Country for Old Men, Tom Holland, The Impossible, Bradley Cooper, The Hangover, Don Cheadle, Hotel Rwanda, Karen Gillian, Oculus, Benicio Del Toro, Tied for Leaving Las Vegas, and The Usual Suspects, Vin Diesel, Saving Private Ryan, Samuel L. Jackson, Pulp Fiction, Chris Evans, Scott Pilgrim, Jaiman Hunsu, Amistad, Rachel McAdams, Mean Girls, Mads Mickelson, The Hunt, Michael Stuhlberg, A Serious Man, Michael Keaton, Beetlejuice, 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 Marissa Tomei, My Cousin Vinny, Tony Ravioli, The Grand Budapest Hotel, Jeff Bridges, The Big Lebowski, Hugo Weaving, The Matrix, Michael B. Jordan, Creed, Lupita Nyong'o, Queen of Katway, Martin Freeman, Slash Bed and Cumberbatch, Cheating a Little Pier in Sherlock, <laughs> Daniel Kaluuya in Get Out, Sterling K. Brown, Marshall, Natalie Portman, Black Swan, Anthony Hopkins, Island of the Lambs, Kate Blanchett, Carol, Jeff Goldblum, Jurassic Park, Tessa Thompson, Dear White People, Paul Rudd, The Perks of Being a Wallflower, Ben Kingsley, Schindler's List, Sylvester Stallone, Rocky, and Andy Serkis, Lord of the Rings, and of course, the big guns himself, Robert Redford, in All the President's Men. Here we go. All right. Another long list of people. Aaron Taylor Johnson in Kick-Ass, Andy Serkis in the Planet of the Apes franchise, Anthony Mackie in The Hurt Locker. You have an alphabetical order. <laughs> Bradley Cooper by uh, Silver Linings Playbook Chadwick Boseman 42 Chuatel Ejiofor 12 Years a Slave Chris Hemsworth Cabin in the Woods Chris Pratt Parks and Recreation Television Show I don't care uh, Daniel Bruhl in Rush Don Cheadle Hotel Rwanda Elizabeth Olsen uh, Liberal Arts Gwyneth Paltrow The Royal Tenenbaums Jeff Bridges The Big Lebowski which I rewatched for this and I was like I know oh, no. I liked your review <laughs> I liked your review you're like do do I like this film <laughs> yeah yeah pretty much also i could just watch jeff bridges john goodman's tipu semi just those characters just all the time the tv show that, i want that show yep um jeremy renner in the assassination of jesse james with a coward robert ford john favreau in swingers josh brolin in no country for old men cat dannings and charlie bartlett lupita nyong'o in 12 years a slave Matt Mickelson in The Hunt, Michael B. Jordan in Fruitvale Station, Michael Keaton in Batman, Natalie Portman in Closer, parentheses, the real answer should be Black Swan, but everybody's going to say Black Swan, so I'm going to say Closer, because we should talk about the film Closer. End parentheses. And um, yet we've not done an episode <laughs> on Black Swan yet. That's all I'm saying. We can, we should, let's do it. Um, Rachel McAdams in Mean Girls, Robert Redford in Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kids, Sam Rockwell in Moon. Oh crap! Oh, I didn't even go to Iron Man two. <laughs> um, Moon's in the penalty box. It's fine. Oh, I miss Mickey Rourke in The Wrestler, uh, Scarlett Johansson in Lost in Translation, Stanley Tucci in The Double Wears Prada, Tessa Thompson in Dear White People, Tom Holland in The Impossible. And Zoe Saldana yeah. in Star Trek. I came real close to putting Stanley Tucci on here for the lovely bones, and I said, no. No, no. All right. My number one, I'm a Cheater McCheater pants. Because my number one is is not for one person. 
not for two persons. It's for three persons. It is for three persons <laughs> in one film, and that film is David Fincher's Zodiac. Uh, Kylie left when I said I was a Cheater McCheaterson. And then, then so I you got quit. Robert. You got soon. Okay, you got Robert. You got Mark. Uh-huh. You got soon to be Jake Gyllenhaal. Jake Gyllenhaal. There it is. <laughs> yep. I got. I got Robert. I got Mark. I got Jake. I got all three. Here we go. Is that? That's it. That's all. It's in there. I think. I think that's it. All right, Zodiac. Um, is Dermot Maroney not in the MCU? Ah, Dermot Maroney, no. He's in my best friend's wedding, though. <laughs> and, of course, everybody's favorite Christmas film, The Family Stone. Oh, yeah. Yeah, right? <laughs> uh, the Dermot Maroney trilogy right there. There it is. Who does he play in, the, in this? Is he the Zodiac Killer? <laughs> <laughs> no, he's the police chief. Who is Mark Ruffalo in <laughs> Mark this Ruffalo film? is a detective. He's like the detective. Oh, he's the detective. Yeah. Oh, okay. So there's Detective Pikachu, yep. Mark Ruffalo. Uh-huh. Um, reporter Pikachu, Robert Downey Jr. I, and then there's like reporter... Cartoonist Pikachu, He's a cartoonist. It's been a while since I've seen this film. I remember Robert Downey Jr., Starts out in a good place, and by the end of the film, he's no longer in a good place. I had to do some research as to, like, when RDJ got clean, because I was really worried that, like, he was doing this while he was trying to get clean. I was like, okay, it's it's slightly post when he got clean. So, we're... We're, we're gonna throw him back in, though! Yeah, right? Like, yikes. Um, Alright, so Zodiac, if you're not familiar, it is a David Fincher film. It is a nearly three-hour David Fincher film, so it's about as long as this podcast. Um, So... (laughs) I always think that these lists are going to be short ones, and they are not. No, Josh, because there are like 36 honorable mentions. (laughs) Uh... Robert Downey Jr. is a reporter who is trying to... Brie Larson in Room? Brie Larson in Room. (laughs) Did you get that? Brie Larson in... Oh, I missed her on my list. She's there and I just skipped her name. Brie Larson in Short Term 12. Mm. Very good. Um, Did you do Kate Blanchett? I couldn't narrow down a Kate Blanchett yet. I like... like, uh, Why isn't it Carol? Oh, it's Carol! Oh, it has to be Carol! Oh! I'm... <laughs> Never mind. Number five. Everything moves down. Get out of here, Paul Bettany and Wimbledon. I've ruined everything. Well, I, we gotta restart the show. All right, hey everybody, welcome to Ducks Watch Together. I'm Josh. Hi, Lee. And on today's episode, we talk about the top five pre-MCU performances. Okay, number five. <laughs> number five. Not is uh, is whatever Paul Rudd in What American Summer. <laughs> number one, Carol. Uh, no, <laughs> I'm gonna stick with my cheat, Carol. Uh, I, so I feel like I talked about Carol a lot, but maybe I haven't. I love it's so good. It's so good. It's too late, Josh. You anyway, lost your chance. Sorry. Uh, I'll come back to you, I Carol. Was, I Don't was worry. like, no, I know Josh is number one. Oh, I forgot she was in the MCU. I forgot she was in the MCU. Thor Rags does not stick in my brain. Yeah, I brought in Taika Waititi. <laughs> we're did. never going to talk about... I was hoping you would bring up Carol and then it would all just work out. Uh, you should have reminded me. Just been like, just a reminder, Kate Blanchett's in the MCU. <laughs> okay. Next time I will. Yeah, there you go. So, Zodiac. Really good film. Probably my favorite Fincher film. I The more I watch it, the more I just get engrossed in its story. And it's about a... It's a story about these three different men who get involved... 
in some way, shape, or form, and who become obsessed in some way, shape, or form with the Zodiac Killer. And finding out who is the Zodiac Killer, a case that still remains unsolved to this day. Um, the story is really, really grounded in these three performances. And so this is why I cheated and put all three on here, because as soon as I was like, haha, Gyllenhaal's gonna be in the Spider-Man sequel, this counts now. Uh, <laughs> I was like, yes, all three, here we go. It's a, it's a story of these three men and what this obsession does to them. So it starts out with, um, we, we kind of start and end the film with Gyllenhaal. And he's, we start out with him as just like, I'm a cartoonist for the newspaper. And then he slowly gets more wrapped up in the ciphers that he has to figure out. And he, he slowly gets wrapped up in this and he brings in, um... Paul Avery, who's played by Robert Downey Jr., and then after it goes on for a bit, we get introduced to Mark Ruffalo, who is the cop that has been trying to, the detective who's trying to get all this stuff done. And what these three do is their interplay between each other is so good. Anytime these three people are sharing screen time, you're just engaged and engrossed in what this mystery is and what this story is, and they're all three coming at it from very different angles. You've got Robert Downey Jr., who's probably playing the closest to his quote-unquote type, because he's just like, hey, cool guy, I'm a cool guy reporter that's going to descend into alcohol because of this case. Yeah, cool guy! But he's doing it as a, in a much more layered way than he gets to do in even the MCU. Um... You've got Gyllenhaal, who is this Boy Scout type, who I think maybe maybe some early Gyllenhaal kind of troping there, but in a lot of ways it's a unique performance for him as he just then gets to you get to watch this character kind of fall apart as he's create as he's getting involved with this and starting to write his book and all this stuff. And then Ruffalo to me is the like I started with thinking like if I just had to pick one from this movie, I was gonna pick Ruffalo because. It's so unique to see him playing this very gritty kind of like he is. So the fourth Dirty Harry sequel is based on the Zodiac Killer as well. And technically, like it, the Clint Eastwood character is kind of written to be the actual person that Mark Ruffalo is playing, the actual detective. And so to like think of a type that Mark Ruffalo isn't, it's the like Clint Eastwood type. Like, that's not what that is. And so he's... Now I see it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, it's just... To watch him become this very grizzled detective, and then to watch just kind of the light leave his eyes, so to speak, and he just gets beaten down and beaten down, and he can't win this case. And I just... It, there, I'm rambling over how much I love these three performances in this movie, as well as this movie. It's a, it's, it's a really interesting mystery. It's a really good thriller. And I love the little p pieces of it that are put together here because it even, Fincher is so genius because he even makes you think like, no worries, they don't have an answer for this in real life, but I'm gonna have an answer for you. I'm gonna solve this case as we go through. And he, you think that you're getting enough pieces to put it together that you then become obsessed. Like every single time I watch this movie, I end up going to Wikipedia and like other, like doing research on the Zodiac Killer and trying to be like, what do they know now? Not much. 
No, it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's real hard. I also like this movie because it doesn't... I don't think it glorifies the Zodiac Killer in yeah, any way, shape, or form. Not in the form. way only person listeners going to? It's filled with Ted Bundy? Yes, <laughs> not in the way that I think that there's a lot of serial killer things that are happening right now. And this the Zodiac Killer is clearly the quote-unquote villain. Like, he's meant, he's villainized in lots of ways. And the only character that tries to quote-unquote humanize him is the Brian Cox character, who is, like, this television psychologist. Okay, Brian Cox is a, like, when he, he, who, He's a uh, tool. He's a tool. Like, yeah. Brian Cox, in any movie, he's trying to sympathize with the villain. Don't trust Brian Cox! There you go. That's what I've learned. I've read this book. I've seen this movie. Yeah? Yeah. This is a good movie. Cool. <laughs> cool. Awesome. I don't remember I don't remember Mark Ruffalo. I'm so sorry, That's everyone. Okay. <sighs> That's okay. There you go. Alright, friends, if you want to join this conversation, and why wouldn't you? Don't join this conversation. You can do so at friend of friend podcast at scorespace.com. You can also find us on Apple Podcasts and iTunes. We have a five-star review or any star review, as well as hit that subscribe button. Yeah. You can also uh, find us on Facebook at Friend of Friend Podcast. You can find us on Twitter at DWT underscore podcast. YouTube. That's much together. Tumblr's. That's much together. Letterboxd. Derby, ACT, and Kelly Gallagher. Thank you so much for listening to us. We very much appreciate you getting to the end of this, I don't know, two hour episode. I've been Josh. I'm Kelly. Yeah, that was a dishwasher. Quack, 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 quack.